0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to the show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're gonna ask yourself is how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're gonna need a hosting site, and if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. about you, but I hope every weekend is like that one. I am Philip Slavin, and this is the Ten Twelve podcast that covers all ten teams in the Big Twelve Conference. What a doozy of a weekend for the Big Twelve! I know that the attention, the eyes of the nation, were on Alabama, LSU, but there were three must-watch games this weekend, and they were fan. Fantastic. Triple overtime. Baylor, TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma coming down to a two-point conversion in the final seconds. Texas, Kansas State coming down to the leg of Digger the kicker. I mean, yeah, there's Texas Tech, West Virginia, but that game was a full out. This was a great weekend for the Big 12. Sorry, Iowa State. Sorry, TCU. It's also great that OU and Baylor both won. It's a big game day. Matchup in Waco this Saturday between undefeated Baylor and one loss Oklahoma. Look, I I this is a Big 12 podcast, so I am here for what's best for the conference. On a personal note, I am sorry that both your teams lost. It was close. I know there's some controversy about some of the stuff going on in there, and that is part of what we will talk about with Andy Mitch, my guest today, my usual. Monday compatriot. Obviously, we're going to talk about that pass interference call, no call in the Iowa State-Oklahoma game, whether that two-point conversion decision was the right one at all. What we feel about Baylor at this point as they just barely, barely get another win, and these things keep getting closer and closer to a loss every week. Talk about bowl games. There's a big matchup this coming Saturday that most people aren't going to be talking about between TCU and Texas Tech, because the winner of that game on Saturday Probably go into a bowl game, or at least has a much better shot than the other one. A lot of football to play still. Lots to talk about. So, if you haven't signed up for ESPN Plus yet, get it done. Basketball season is underway. Games have been played. Games are yet to be played. You don't want to miss any of them. Just get yourself signed up now. Go to our Twitter account, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12 word podcast. Click the link in the tweet, pen to the top. Get signed up for ESPN Plus do it now. I don't know about you, but that was one of the most exciting weekends of Big 12 football we have had this season. I know all the hype was around LSU Alabama, and, and it, it lived up to it. It really did. But we had three Big 12 games that came down to the wire. And all had big implications either on the national stage or for each team involved. So there's a lot to talk about after this weekend's games. Very excited to have my my usual Sunday guest back, Andy Mitts of Rock Chalk Talk, Rock Chalk Pod, and Land Grant Gauntlet. Andy, welcome back.
0: It's good to be back. I was a little surprised because I thought I was going to have a nice relaxing weekend you know, with, with no KU game. Um, and it turns out I was a little bit more stressed by those games just with how exciting they were and kind of the, the implications involved. Um, yeah, it was definitely a lot more exciting than I thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I want to start with the, what I think ended up being the most surprising and most exciting one by the end of the game. Let's start with Oklahoma, Iowa state. And I want to jump straight to the very end and just ask you point blank. Do you think that was past interference on the two point conversion? Let's just start with there.
0: I think it was close enough that the way they had been calling the rest of the game that they should have called something, whether it was pass interference or some sort of holding. Um, There was a lot that was going on prior to the game, and it seemed like, especially at that point in the game, they were already getting really ticky-tack with a lot of the fouls. So if you're going to call some of the other stuff that they had, you know, just a little bit before that, then, then I think you have to call that one as well. Ultimately, though... You know, if we if we're talking about a differently officiated game, like I don't know, it was like egregious where everybody really needs to be super upset about it, uh, but just kind of in the flow of the game and the way it was going, I, I definitely would not have argued if it if if it was called. I think it probably should have just for consistency's sake. Um, but you know, you can't really be that super upset with it because it was borderline.
1: So I understand consistency. Where do you stand on because we talk about this a lot in sports? We don't like when the refs get too involved in the end of a game and impact the outcome of the game, right? We want the refs to stay out of it. We always say we want the athletes to settle it on the field. Except for when we see a penalty we think that they should have called. So where do you stand on this? Because I, I'm of the opinion, was it pass interference? Probably. Was it the best option? Like, Purdy's admitted he, that, that, you know, Charlie Kohler was wide open. Like, we can say it was pass interference, and, and it probably was. But do you want to let the players settle that? Was it enough that you just absolutely demand that the refs should have have called that there, or are we annoyed if they call it because you know, we don't like when the refs get in, involved at the end of a game in a situation like that? Like it's just, it's such a fine line between where we are and aren't happy with the refs' decisions that sometimes I'm kind of like, yeah, e- e- either make up your mind, either you you want them to do it or you don't. But this this do you want the athletes to solve it or or do you not? I, and I don't, it's it, part of it is I just don't think fans ever get happy, but where do you stand on this notion of the the should should decide the game and the refs should stay out of
0: it? See, but. The problem that I have with that argument is that you are assuming in a vacuum, you know, that the ref is not making any sort of call, Mm -hmm. but when they are calling something a certain way, the entire game, and this, this goes doubly for, for basketball, because this is where you see it the most egregiously, Mm -hmm. but when they're calling the game a certain way and calling, you know, certain fouls and certain sorts of calls, the exact same way all game long. And then they decide in the last two minutes, oh, I'm going to swallow my whistle because I don't want to be the reason that the game turns out a certain way. If you're calling something something one way the entire game, and then stop in the last two minutes, that's the ref deciding the game because all the players have gotten used to a certain physicality or a certain style of play, and now it's being changed at the last second. So just as much as them blowing a whistle and throwing a flag is making a decision and affecting the outcome of the game directly, deciding not to call a foul that would have been a foul at any other point in the game is just as much deciding it because the players are used to that level of physicality, to that level of the way that the call is going to be done. And if you make a change at that point, because you don't want to be the reason that a game ends a certain way, you are affecting the game in such a way that you could still be the reason that the game went a certain way, because that's what the players were expecting.
1: I think it's a fair point. I do. Where, how do you feel about the call itself? Like, are you were you happy with the decision to go for two there? Do you think it was the right decision to make?
0: So... I'm coming around on this because to be honest, Iowa state being able to come back to that point and even have the opportunity to tie it, um, was kind of miraculous as it was. Um, you know, I liked the, the decision when Kansas did the same thing at Texas, you know, they drove down, had about a minute left, you know, had the opportunity to either tie it and go or go for the lead. The The calculus was kind of the, the same. in in that instance was that, you know, the better team you are, you are giving the ball back to the better team. And if you go for the tie, you're, you're risking, like that's the best you're going to get. If you put the, the extra pressure on them by going up by one, requiring them to go down and kick a field goal to end the game, you're probably not going to win that game in overtime anyway. You know, Kansas and Texas, it was a similar sort of situation where they were trading stuff back and forth, but, but Texas honestly was the better team was the more talented team. Oklahoma was in the exact same situation. They were the better team. They were the more talented team. Iowa State got hot at the right time to get back. You know, you have to try to capitalize on all that momentum and be able to go ahead and take the lead there. It didn't work for Iowa State, but I do think that they had a much better chance of winning the game by going for two and taking the lead and holding on for a win, forcing Oklahoma to drive down for a quick field goal than they would have had going to overtime and trying to stop that Oklahoma offense you know, when they are already in field goal range. And and, I mean, I just don't think that their, their defense was strong enough to be able to count on winning that way. You know, I, I like it when you're a little bit more aggressive. I thought it was a great call and it was pretty obvious with how quickly they decided to go for it, that they had planned on going for it all along. And if you second guess yourself at that point and go for the tie, you know, if if that's what he was talking with the team about and they decide all of a sudden that they don't want to do it because they're afraid that they're not going to be able to pull it off, then that sends all the wrong messages confidence-wise about the team. Um, so again, it didn't work out, but I like the thought process. Honestly, I think it's something that people should do a lot more often.
1: Yeah, I am I'm, I'm I agree. If you're a road dog in a situation to win the game, I, I loved it when Kansas did it. I thought this was the right decision. I know there were a lot of people last year, you know, the people were referencing the TCU uh similar situation against Oklahoma and Norman. We can talk about Bedlam last year. Oklahoma State tried for the two to go up one in a game where they just they couldn't quite get ahead. It failed there and they lost and people were mad about the decision. And I I'm, I'm always of the opinion if if you're in a situation where you have an opportunity to win a game, it's just like it's no different than why do we get mad at at, at coaches for kicking field goals when they need touchdowns when we're sitting here late in a game, not a lot of time on the clock, you're a road dog and you have two opportunity to take a lead. And you settle for a tie, and go well. Why it's the safe way of doing it, and I know as a fan base we'd rather see the safe way and, and just hope that that means that we have a shot to do to, to win. But I like the aggressive call. I I I know it doesn't work out. I have this conversation with people a lot lately. I find is that we 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 base our decision on if something was a, the right call is if it works, and I don't think that's always true, especially in football. There are times where a bad call or a bad decision goes your way, and there are times where the right call doesn't. And I think that in situations like this, going for two, there are times where maybe kicking the extra point and going for the tire right, but in a lot of situations like this, with Iowa State with all the momentum on their side, trying to go for that, taking advantage of that opportunity, I think it was the right call. And I think in that situation, a lot of times, that is the right call.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 also this thing, you know, Oklahoma was, a, I believe, a 17 point favorite coming into this game. Um, uh, it, it may not have been OK. Four, I think I think at one point it was at 17. It might, it might have come back down. But, um, you know, they were a heavy favorite coming to this game. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that was unjustified. And so you have to think going into that, you know, final minute there, you know, like Oklahoma, if you get it back to level, they are favored to go on and win the game, you know, regardless of what happened in the game at that point, if you get it set even, go into overtime, they are probably going to win the game. If you're riding that momentum, you know, you or the way that an underdog in that in that type of situation wins a game is by decreasing the number of possessions, increasing the variance, and the best way to do that is to make it an all or nothing play. You know, if if huge reward for that, you know, you essentially make it so that Oklahoma has to drive down in forty five seconds and kick a field goal, like, that is the way to at the, you know, increase the variance as much as possible and decrease the total number of possessions as much as possible to give yourself the best shot at winning the game. If you let that stretch into overtimes, it's likely you might be able to score once or twice, maybe put it into a, you know, a second or a third overtime, but ultimately Oklahoma's talent should win out. The fact that they were favored by so much should win out as you give them more opportunities to win the game.
1: So obviously the Big 12's playoff situation is, is about the same. They're still in it. They still have an opportunity to be among the final four um in part because of this victory OU just just getting by and getting the win and and the same thing can be said for a Baylor team who on the road in TCU needed three overtimes for Baylor to be victorious because Baylor continues to find ways to win games that they you know a lot of teams probably wouldn't of OU and Baylor after after this weekend, which one are you more confident in moving forward? Because obviously these two teams are going to meet on Saturday. Game day is there. This feels like a Big Twelve title game preview, uh, round one before round two in Arlington. Uh, not asking for a pick for this weekend, but which one are you more confident in potentially
0: running the table the rest of this season? Can I can I cheat a little bit and say whoever wins this game? <laughs> because yeah,
1: that's che- that's that is cheating because that's that's too easy and that, that's the whole point of this question it's not supposed to, to be, be easy to be honest
0: i think i think both of these teams are going to win the rest of their games except for whoever loses this one so like honestly that that's my thought is that whoever wins this game is going to run on until the big 12 championship now what might end up happening though is say baylor wins this game because they're at home pulls out a a really quick victory there um oklahoma finds their way back to the big 12 championship and gets revenge and beats Baylor at that point. I could easily see that. I could even see the reverse where Oklahoma squeaks out a very small victory here. Baylor still has enough of a lead at this point to be the number two or even still the number one if Oklahoma were to falter somewhere else. And then they get revenge at the end. Um, I think if either of those situations happen, though, the team, you know, the the Big 12 champion in that case is not going to make it to the playoff because they'll have another loss. Baylor does not have the strength to schedule. In order to be able to make it, if they have any losses, I think at this point, unless they just completely annihilate Oklahoma, you know, or annihilate Texas um, and then have a very close loss maybe in the Big 12 Championship. Like, that's a possibility. Or they barely lose to Oklahoma in this game and then just completely destroy them in the rematch. Like, that's the only way that Baylor even has an opportunity at this point. But, you know, I I do think Oklahoma is probably the better team. Um, but I think Baylor just keeps finding ways to win. And, and if if I had to pick one of these two to ride the rest of the way, I I think I'm going to go ahead and go with Baylor because they seem to have the ability to handle whatever comes at their way, do just enough to sneak out there with the win. You know, they did it, they did it against West Virginia and we thought it was a, a big problem. You know, they they show that their offense can get going, though, in a lot of those situations where they absolutely need to. And and I think that's what is most encouraging about Baylor is that they have shown the ability to be able to win in multiple ways. They can win in big shootouts. They can win in huge defensive battles. Oklahoma, if their offense isn't clicking, they have lots of problems and they have not been able to win. And even when their offense is clicking, they've had lots of problems with that defense and have not, you know, been able to put anyone away easily. And so I think that's what the difference is, is that this Baylor team is a lot more battle-tested and I think can play in a lot more different ways. So if if, if you're telling me one of these two teams is going to win out the rest of the way, I think it's going to have to be Baylor.
1: So let me two points. One, obviously the, the OU defense, which had had a, a, a real turnaround through the first part of the season and now the last two games against Kansas State and Iowa State has, has really just seemed to revert back to old habits. Um, I, I've seen some quotes that Alex Grinch is aware of this and just doesn't know what's going on. To be honest, he doesn't know why the guys are suddenly playing, um, poorly. I mean, and, and to be true, that's, that's kind of what seems to be happening. And yeah, the offense is going to have moments where it's not perfect. Um, uh, the defense has got to be able to do its part as far as being battle tested. I, I, we can say that for Baylor because they've been in a lot of close games, but I don't, I don't, if I look at, and I know OU's non-conference schedule isn't impressive, but Baylor has been uh, – who, who's who's their best win? Forget non-conference because it's, it's Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, and a road game at Rice. They beat Iowa State. Maybe that one it is Barely because Iowa State was able to – another fourth-quarter comeback that fell short. Um, they played Kansas State during Kansas State's two-game just stretch that they were just god-awful. Like Kansas State decided for two weeks to just play like – they were the past few years, and 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 outside of that, they've been fantastic. So they didn't even give Baylor their best performance. Texas Tech at OSU, who completely collapsed in the fourth quarter. Uh, I know that they technically by by the the stats dominated West Virginia, but I mean that was not a a great performance. There's there's a point to. It's impressive that Baylor continues to find ways to win. You're also playing with it. it you're playing with fire the way they've been playing. If, and, it, and it's too much. Because, I mean, let's be honest. Outside of the Kansas State game, they beat Iowa State by two. Heck, they beat Rice by eight. They beat Texas Tech by three. That was a close game with OSU until their offense just fell apart in the fourth quarter and Baylor kind of ran away in a game that's not, that looks like a blowout, It kind of wasn't. You beat West Virginia by three, and then it takes three overtimes to beat TCU by six. Uh, That catches up with the team. That is, that, that always, it it does. And it's kind of one of those things where, as long as you can keep winning that way, you can keep that streak going. But once that first loss happens, once it, once that just kind of flips off, uh, you start to see teams, once it's gone, magic's gone, it's gone. And I'm worried for Baylor. And, and it's not that I don't think Baylor's good. And it's not that I'm like, oh, Baylor's a, a, a poser. No, Baylor is good. This is a good Baylor team. It's a really good defense, and when Charlie Brewer's clicking, it's a it's a solid offense. But it's a Baylor team that's been playing on a very, very, very fine edge for too long, and they've yet to actually just kind of really have that just dominant game that we you would like to see from a team at this point in the season that's done that's done as well as Baylor has. And now you have Oklahoma at home and Texas at home in back to back weeks. And I know, you know. Texas may not be great, but they're going to get Texas healthy. You're getting OU who, I promise you, Alex Grinch is going to make that defense angry the way they played the last few games. Texas is getting healthy on the defensive side of the ball. This is, you know, I kind of thought if they could get past OU, they would go undefeated. I don't know. Because OU gets TCU at home and, and, and a road game in Oklahoma State. And I will never pick OSU in Bedlam again because I'm not going to do that to myself. But of the two, I have a hard time seeing Baylor. I, I have a hard time not seeing Baylor end up ten and two at this point because I'm really concerned about that Texas game. And I don't think I can pick them against Oklahoma. And I know that sounds silly, but I have. It's not that I don't believe in Baylor. I believe Baylor is really good. I just have yet to see from them a game that just makes me go that that is that is that is a that is a great team. That is a team that is the best team in the Big 12. I think it's a really good team that has played really, really well when the game was on the line and had some breaks go their way. And here they are undefeated. And now they're in a spot where I don't know how long this can keep going, but it's going to end at some point, And I have a bad feeling it's going to end very soon.
0: See, but this is, I think, the symptom that we have of a big 12 conference that is, we're so used to it being fantastic offenses and mediocre to good defenses. We have yet to find or have a team that has been able to compete at the top of the conference, um, at least since TCU in 2014, where their main strength has been their defense. And that's what this Baylor team is like, you know, you could you can talk all you want about how good Charlie Brewer has been at times, you know, how, how their offense seems to pull out the magic that when they need it, but the strength of this Baylor team is their defense. And we're just so not used to having a super strong team that it's calling card is the defense. Cause even, even when, when TCU has had their good defenses last few years, those haven't really been great teams. They've had so many problems offensively and the defense has had so many lapses caused by not having an offense that can really do much. That TCU has never actually gotten to the strength of, you know, to to the level of being one of the premier teams in the league, at least since 2014, you know, And, and back in 2014, this Baylor team again was kind of doing it the opposite way. They had a super strong offense that, you know, put up a huge fight against TCU and TCU had some offensive outbursts, but their, their defense fell down at times. This Baylor team has a legitimately good defense, a legitimately great defense. And I don't think we're used to seeing that in the big 12. And so we're, we're kind of skeptical of them, but you know, this, this Baylor team has shut down for the most part, you know, for huge stretches of their games, what the other team has been trying to do. I think Kansas state, like you were talking about is the best example of that because a Kansas state team that is, you know, their strength is in the offensive and defensive lines. Baylor could completely dominated both sides of that game on the lines you know, and we saw what a good Kansas state team can do when they're, when their lines are are clicking, you know, and and I think even this week, Texas kind of showed that they have the ability and, and, and we'll talk about this, I'm assuming here in just a minute, but you know, they were able to essentially nullify the advantage that Kansas state had on the lines for a good portion of that game. Baylor completely straight up dominated a team like that. They, you know, they've, they've gotten into shootouts with some teams, but they had a dominant defensive performance against TCU. Yes. The score was, you know, in the twenties, but that's because they went to three overtimes. And when you're set, when you get into overtime, it is set up for the teams to score touchdowns. You expect them to score touchdowns on 75 to 80% of their possessions in overtime. So like the fact that it was a nine to nine game at the end of regulation, um, you know, and then they went into overtime there. I'm sorry. It was a I wow, I can't believe I just messed that up. It was it was 16 to 16 at the end of regulation, wasn't it? No, it was 9 to 9. Oh, it was 9 to 9. Okay. So, I don't know what I was thinking then. First Oh, okay. I'm thinking of the after the first overtime because that's when I turned it off because yeah. I thought that was a uh a, an incomplete pass. They actually started to cut to another game, I guess, before they came back. So, I thought that game was over after the first overtime. What a catch. Um, Holy. Yeah. Oh gosh. That I was catch. absolutely ridiculous. Oh my God. But, but the, the fact is this is a good Baylor defense. And I think everybody is underestimating that because we are so used to the good big 12 defenses all going to crap at some point in the season. And this Baylor team has not done it yet. Yes. They had, you know, the huge offensive outburst by Texas tech, but I think that was driven by Texas tech defense actually having some, some good outbursts as well. Um, you know, Oklahoma State ended up scoring 27 points, but to be honest, that was, a, that was a fairly good battle back and forth, and then Baylor got up, you know, in the fourth quarter and allowed Oklahoma State to get one back. Like, that was still a fairly good defensive showing. Um, you know, Baylor is defined by their defense. The question is going to be, you know, is their defense going to be able to hold up enough? against an Oklahoma team who is absolutely phenomenal on offense. And they have shown they have enough problems with even suspect defenses at times that they can go cold for a stretch. They have not played a defense that is as good as Baylor's defense yet this season. So we'll see how this game comes out, but I think you're underselling what Baylor can do because of the makeup of the team. And just because of what we're so used to seeing here in the big 12.
1: I think their defense is good, but I, I, I'm it reminds me this team reminds me of 2013 Oklahoma State a little bit and no i'm sorry 2015 forgive me 2015 Oklahoma State who started 10 and 0 and then ran into OU and Baylor at the end of the season and then all missed at the, the bowl game and just got stomped and they were a team that was finding ways to win games close all along that 10 game winning streak to start the year and it's not that I doubt Baylor is good. I don't think it's just fluky. I don't think, oh, it's because the Big 12 is bad this year. I think Baylor is a good team. Baylor, and it, I hate this because you know Famish is like, you're just trying to say we're crap. No, I think Baylor is a good team. But I also think it's a team that has had some things go their way. You can be a good team. Teams that win also tend to get a little bit lucky. That's just the way it goes. Like luck is part of of sports, you know. TCU was in that game because that game should have been over, and somehow that <laughs> somehow that receiver got his hand down, and that was, oh, amazing. And I I think Baylor's good. I think they're in the Big Twelve title game. I'm just really curious what happens the next few weeks. And I, I am I am I don't think Baylor won't be in a game. I don't see Baylor getting blown out in a game. But I, I'm this is the stretch for Baylor. This is it. We we've we've hit the stretch for Baylor where let's let's see what they're really made of moving forward. So. Uh, we can spend some time on Texas, Kansas State, but I, I really want to kind of look at it from this perspective. Baylor's undefeated. Um, OU has one conference loss. Texas has two. Everyone else has three or more. At this point, it kind of feels like the Big Twelve title game race is between OU, Baylor, and Texas. There are some scenarios where Oklahoma State could sneak in. I don't. I don't really want to get into that nonsense because it would require um, Baylor beating Baylor winning out and uh texas losing to iowa state and osu winning out but i'm like i said we're not gonna go there so let's just let's just go from this perspective i, I feel pretty confident in th- saying that i think baylor will be there but these next two weeks are big because of the fact that in theory texas isn't out of it if texas wins out and baylor loses to oklahoma it's texas ou again so i i am curious from your perspective. Looking ahead, what do you think is the Big 12 title game match when we get there in week 14?
0: Oh, I, I don't have any doubt that it's going to be Baylor and Oklahoma. I do not trust this Texas team to go to Iowa State and win and go to Baylor and and win and also then come home and not just lay an egg against Texas Tech, who is getting better and showing that they're getting better. Um, you know, this Texas team has been up, so up and down, and I understand they're getting guys back on defense, um, but. You know, they had guys back on defense and still looked really bad against Kansas or Kansas State. I mean, sorry, for for almost the entire first half. Um, You know, they are they are not clicking even completely on offense there. Um, Honestly, I think they were a little bit more fortunate to win that game against Kansas State um, than than it would seem. um, You know, talk about a team that has going to have their luck run out. They've got two now. At very end of the game, big kicks by you know Dicker there. and to be honest, in both of those sit uh, excuse me, in both of those situations, I'm not sure that they really should have really been able to get that opportunity for him to go ahead and win the game for them. So um, you know, Texas is a team that I think is, um, yes, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. they have a lot of guys coming back, but I still think that in a way, they've been playing above where they actually should have been this year. Um, you know, and if if you're looking for a team in the Big 12 who has been fairly lucky and their luck is starting to run out, I, I have a feeling that it's going to be Texas as much as people are probably going to hate me for saying it. Um, but I just I just think that the final slate that they have that at Iowa State, at Baylor and then home against Texas Tech, none of those games are gimme games um, and they have to win all three of them, I think, to to really realistically have a shot to make the Big 12 title game. I just don't see them doing it. Um, And so I'm thinking at this point, it's a foregone conclusion, almost that it's going to be Baylor and Oklahoma, especially if Baylor wins this next game. I think Oklahoma has the final schedule to be able to drop this game against Baylor and still be able to do enough holding that tiebreaker over Texas to make the big 12 title game. Um, And if Baylor loses, I just, I still don't see Baylor losing, you know, losing out essentially, which is what they would probably have to do. Um, Well, I mean, they would have to lose to Oklahoma and Texas, and Texas would have to win out. I just, I just don't see all of that happening for Texas to be able to make it.
1: That's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, I agree. I still think it's, it's OU and Baylor because I think I like Baylor better against Texas. But that's Texas still has something to play for, and I think that that matters for teams. That that has an impact on on how you're going to perform in games. So we'll we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. A uh, little something I want. I've been keeping an eye on. Obviously, the Big Twelve has. Uh, Oh, Baylor, OU, Texas, OSU, Kansas State—all ball eligible. Um, that's that's half of the conference. Iowa State's waiting on a sixth win. Still, they've got Texas at home this coming weekend. Uh, and they get Kansas at home, and they go to Kansas State. So I'm going to go ahead and on, on. Let me just get out on a limb here and say Iowa State's going to get a sixth win and get to ball eligibility. If you don't, if you don't mind me uh, assuming a few things here, that leaves four teams, and I'm. I'm going I'm sorry. I don't think Kansas finds three wins. I know there was a, a while there, but you thought that they might get close to it if they had some things go their way. They
0: had a chance and they blew it.
1: Um, I don't think West Virginia is gonna find three wins. Sorry, West Virginia. I don't. I don't think you're all that shocked by that statement either. But that leaves T- TCU and Texas Tech, who're both four and five after this weekend's games, and they actually face off this coming weekend. So let's go. Over, let's just talk about the schedules for both, because I'm. I want to know which one you think gets to a bowl game if either one do this year. TCU is at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma and then has West Virginia. That's the end of their 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 schedule. Texas Tech obviously has TCU at home, Kansas State at home and at Texas. Do you think either one makes a bowl game and if so which one?
0: I'm I'm conflicted because I honestly I don't it's going to be hard for either of them to do it. But uh, the team that I think has the best opportunity of those two is actually Texas Tech. Um, I do think that Texas Tech is going to go ahead and win this weekend. And I know that you're not, you know, we're not we're not doing official predictions at this point, but uh, (laughs) I I just TCU. Yes, they have a good defense, but, you know, I I, I think it's inconsistent enough and they're having enough problems on the offensive end, um, which is extremely inconsistent, and just hugely up and down. That I just have a hard time trusting them to get, to be honest, even any more wins. Like, I I honestly could see them losing against West Virginia um, and against Texas. Like, I I, I could see them losing out fairly easily. Like, playing at Oklahoma, I think you write that down one down as a loss automatically at this point. Texas Tech, again, I think Texas Tech's defense has played as well as TCU's at times, especially recently. Um, The offense is definitely a lot better. Um, Jet Duffy it's kind of settled in for sure. Uh, And I think that this Texas tech offense is playing a whole lot better than TCU and, and TCU is, you know, West, West Virginia has put up a fight against some of the better teams in the, in the conference. Um, And I just think that, you know, end of the year, West Virginia is going to have an opportunity to try to get one to go out on TCU is going to be extremely, I think, deflated, Um, you know, especially if they lose at Texas tech and then lose at Oklahoma at that point, they don't have an opportunity for a bowl game. I could see them dropping that game as well. You know, that very well could be a game at the end of the year, West Virginia versus versus uh, TCU for the bottom of the conference, which is crazy to say uh, at this point that a team like TCU could potentially fall down to all the way down to the bottom of the conference this year. Um, But I think that's a very real possibility. Um, You know, and, and uh, like I think at this point, if you if you are betting on it, Kansas is probably still the betting favorite, um, just because I think that West Virginia has played better. They have a better schedule set up for them to go ahead and get another win, whereas Kansas has three very tough games in to the year. Um, but you know, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that that TCU could just go into a complete tailspin at this point. Texas Tech, on the other hand, I think yes, they have some tough games coming up. Um, but I do think that they are playing well enough that they could jump up and challenge both Kansas state and Texas. Um, It's just going to depend on how those actual particular games go and which team is actually showing up. Uh, But Texas tech is talented enough. And I think has the scheme that's good enough, that they at least have a shot to go ahead and do that.
1: Yeah. I think Texas tech has the more difficult final three game stretch uh, compared to TCUs. Um, Whereas if, it, let's say, Texas Tech gets the wins, gets the win against TCU this coming Saturday, I still think they have a very difficult shot to get to a bowl game with games against Kansas State and at Texas. That's not an easy final two-game stretch. They could very easily lose both of those, and, and it'd all be a moot point. But I agree that if TCU gets the win over Texas Tech, I think TCU goes to a bowl game because them playing West Virginia with something to play for, I think, matters. Texas Tech, I think, will be the same way. If they can get the win over TCU, I think that they'll go into both those last games, and these games will matter uh, greatly for them to get to a bowl game this season. I just, it, I think this is a big, this is a big game coming up from both those teams this Saturday. I don't want to, I don't want to too much about this coming Saturday, but I'm just, it's, it's interesting to follow the who's going to make a bowl and who's not. You right. know, as much as we like to talk about the bowls, bowls don't matter. Um, they do. Um, case in point, go look at all this stuff that Illinois has been putting out because they're going to bowl game for the first time in like, I don't know. But thirty years. It's that's it's not that long, but I'm just making an Illinois joke. It sure Um, feels like it. Man, God it doesn't it? I've man. Like Indiana's seven and two, they're going to a bowl game for the first time in a lot. Like, teams who don't go to bowl like if Kansas was bowl eligible this season, you guys would be drowning yourselves in joy. Because and that's the thing where people talk about like bowls don't matter. Yeah, you don't have to watch them. I want to watch them. They're fun. And for teams like Texas Tech who've been really up and down, you have a first-year head coach. A, te- a, bowl, is, a bowl is big. So I, I am... Man, It it's fun to know. Plus, we for the conversation that bowls don't matter, we sure put an awful lot of how conferences do in bowl games and hold that against whether or not they're good or not. You know, it, if bowls don't matter, why do we care about a conference's bowl record? Why do we care that SEC went... 10 and four in their bowl games. they are like, up. Oh, see, SEC is the best. We, we don't care about bowls. So what does that matter? I It's all just a big old mess of bullshit, but whatever. Um,
0: that math doesn't work out though, because there's, there's no way that all 14 SEC teams are going to make it to a bowl. Yeah, Sorry.
1: I, I know. I, I'm, I'm, are you sure? Because I, I'm sure we could, we could justify putting, because Vanderbilt had to lose to all those teams so that they could get into bowl games and go to the play. So we could get eight, uh playoff and New Year's 6 SEC team. So if Vanderbilt gets in because they they were, you know, Patsy. I I'm, I'm kidding. But Missouri
0: can't go because they're banned this year, and then Arkansas is so horrible that if they were to make a bowl game, I think that they would go and burn down the campus. Like the other people would I go I want and a burn bowl game. I want produce. the
1: bowl game between Rutgers and Arkansas to see who who would actually win that one.
0: Oh gosh. And of course, you have to call that the toilet bowl.
1: That just that no, it's a futility bowl.
0: Just under okay, fertility. but but sponsored by some some toilet company that'd be awesome.
1: Oh, I like it. <laughs> so, as someone who lives in Arkansas, let me just tell you, like, following all this has been a lot of fun. The writing was on the wall. It's and every fan base is crazy, but the entire state of Arkansas is like Arkansas fans, and the kind of people that you think live in the state of Arkansas and call into sports radio shows to talk about this stuff are exactly the kinds of people in Arkansas who call into sports radio shows and talk about this kind of stuff. And it is just the just glorious. I mean, it is absolutely glorious. I don't want this is not an SEC pod, so we're done talking about the SEC. But let me just tell you, um It's fun. It's a lot of fun listening to Hillbilly <laughs> Joe call into the radio station. And be like, You know, I bet they could go get that guest miles he he likes Arkansas. You're like, oh my God, Bible Okay, I thought Moonshine was for West Virginia, but apparently they didn't. No, no, it's meth here. It's all meth. Okay, enough about the crap <laughs> thing I live in. Um, Andy, do you have any other big observations from this past weekend's games?
0: You know, um, in terms of I, just kind of a running theme that we've had is that the Big 12 for all the teams that are supposedly down and out at this point, it's a very competitive league. I don't care how bad any of these teams are, there is not going to be a simple game the rest of the year. Yes, there are going to be plenty of games the team should win and they might win fairly comfortably, but I can guarantee you that every single game of the rest of the year, there are going to be some tense moments, especially, you know, late in the first half or something like that, where, you know, it's going to be a tough win. And, it, you know, we always say that as coach speak when you talk, when you talk up the team that you're playing, even if you beat them by, you know, three or four touchdowns. Um, but there, there are so many things that these teams can do And they can test your team in so many ways that even if you end up pulling away at the end, um, you know, it's not just coach speak. These teams are actually able to do quite a bit and are able to make it difficult. Um, You know, it's never going to get to the same level that people talk about the SEC just because of, you know, the unfortunate uh, God complex that a lot of those teams have. Uh, But the Big 12 is definitely a super competitive conference from top to bottom. Um, And I, I don't think any of these teams can really take any of these games for granted, even if we as fans like to try to do that in some cases. Um, Yes, there are definitely games that teams should win and should not have a problem, but like we saw with Baylor against West Virginia, you know, like, like, like we saw with Oklahoma versus Iowa State, you know, any team at any time can jump up and make a super competitive game out of any of these matchups left to go. So, you know, yeah, we talk about a team like Kansas who has, you know, goes to Oklahoma State, goes to Iowa State, and then ends against Baylor. Like I would be mildly, I would be at least mildly surprised if Kansas won any of those games in particular. But then again, I wouldn't be completely shocked just with the way that this, this whole season has gone in the big 12. You know, it wasn't very long ago that we had a big 12 blood week where every single underdog won those games and won them fairly convincingly. Um, You know, so I am, I would not be shocked if any particular game ended up any way that you were to tell me.
1: I love it. Um, I, it was a fun weekend. It's not as no issue guy. Just get to sit back and watch the other Big Twelve games. I mean, even I mean, I watched some of the Texas Tech, West Virginia game until it got you know out of hand, and then I turned around right. to TCU Baylor. But it was a fun weekend. It was a it was a fun weekend for Big Twelve football. Exciting thing is no more idle weeks the rest of the season. Everyone's playing. We get five games a day for the next three weeks. Three weeks left in the regular season. Cherish these moments, boys and girls. Cherish them. Because the season is almost over, it's almost gone, and then comes the long winter
0: of the off season and recruiting. So, Andy, what are you talking about? Basketball starting soon, or no, it's already started. So soon, basketball kicks into high gear. Soon. Dude,
1: you're a Kansas fan. It started for you a while ago. Like, calm down. Like, we'll talk about it. Uh, I, I don't know. There, we'll Kansas
0: football gave us enough hope. That uh, the, the basketball season actually snuck up on me. I didn't do our basketball season preview over on Rock Talk Podcast until the day before the first game. And usually I have that done about three weeks before. So, um, football season has definitely been a lot of fun for everybody in the conference. Um, you know, so much so that uh, it even kind of made me forget about basketball season for a little while. Wow.
1: That is, see, folks, miracles can happen, they absolutely <laughs> can. Andy, always a good time, man. Do me a favor. Where can everybody check out the work you do?
0: Yeah, so I'm the Kansas writer over at Lane Grand Gauntlet. You can catch all my work there. I also write over at Rock Chalk Talk, which is the SB Nation site that covers the Kansas Jayhawks. And I have my own podcast, the Rock Chalk Podcast. You can find that on Twitter, at Rock Chalk Pod, um, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right. Andy, it's been fun. Uh, I look forward to uh, calling you names as my Cowboys beat your Jayhawks this Saturday into submission. Uh, And uh, until then, we'll do this again next Monday.
0: Yeah, I, I, I get the feeling that that Slack chat is going to be a lot of fun this weekend. For somebody. Right.
1: Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 Podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. To rate and review the show, five stars. Please, it helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us, on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, TEN number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.